Hello and a big warm welcome to you and welcome to another one of these wonderful Aware Parenting Conversations and today I have Katie Garibay with me. Welcome Katie. Thank you, so glad to be here. Yay, I'm so excited <laughs> to be talking with you today Katie. So uh, we haven't really met before, we've only just met in the last couple of weeks really when we've been talking about having this conversation what I'm really excited uh, to talk to you about is, as I was just sharing before, I have never met or talked to a, a parent who was actually raised with aware parenting. So I, I had the honor of talking to Aletha's daughter, daughter last year, I think, um, but she's not a mama. So mm -hmm. I loved hearing from her and her experiences, but there's, there's something different that we get to talk with you about. So where do we start? Right. <laughs> so much to talk about. Um, you, what comes up to mind for you when you when you first think about sharing how it was for you growing up with this approach, and then actually mm. getting to practice it yourself as a as a mother? What kind of things? Yeah. Well, I think I think it might be important first to just explain a little bit about kind of what aware parenting looked like when I was growing up, because that was back in the 80s when it was sort of first, you know, Aletha had kind of just started. She had just published The Aware Baby and just started leading her classes. And I think my mom, because we're from Santa Barbara, which is the town that okay. Aletha is yeah. from. So yeah. It was one of her very first classes that she led that my mom wow. went to, I think. Really? Amazing. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was early on. Um, and the, the reason she went to the class is because she was so worried about me that I was crying all the time and inconsolable. And she was just trying to find any help she could. And she went to this class and she talks about how... Um, for the first time after going to the class, she took me home and she let me cry. And I think I cried for a few hours straight. And she was like, oh my gosh, am I doing the right thing? Am I harming my baby? But she said, after that big cry, I was like a completely different baby that I was, I, we, she had friends over and they, I was being passed around and I was happy and open and relaxed and that I had never been like that before. And so that's kind of the story of how from then on, she's like, oh, maybe there's something, something to this. Wow. Um, so, so I joke around how I got, I got my mom into aware parenting. <laughs> you did. You did. You so did. Yeah. I, I do, uh, I, I do want to add for anyone who's not familiar or is new to aware parenting that when mm -hmm. you, when we're talking about crying and particularly for babies, it's always crying in arms and for, mm -hmm. for, for children, it's always crying with loving support. So I know we're taking that for granted, but it's, right, it's yeah. helpful to add that into the conversation. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And, and um, how, how different. And, and the, the beautiful thing I heard was how she could clearly see how different you were after that. Yeah, that immediately. First, yeah. There was this immediate change. How, um, old, how old were you? I think I was about six months old. So pretty young. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think I'm trying to think where it makes most sense to start other than that. Um, I think that being raised in aware parenting, I mean, it has made me so much more open with my own emotions and so open with, you know, listening to other people, like all of these things just come very naturally. And it seems very odd to me when people are like trying to stop themselves from try crying or trying to stop a baby from crying just seems so bizarre. Um, wow. But I'm already a little bit in awe. I'm like, wow, I'm actually talking to like, the, 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 you know, you're, you really are the, 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 
the new it's it's you know to be actually brought up in that paradigm rather than yeah. to learn it and to, as an adult is so different so thank you yeah really yeah but at the same time it's I don't want to pretend that my mom and I had you know that she mm. was the perfect parent yes. and that you know that we had this like this perfect childhood you know yeah. I think like all of us who as a mom now it's like you realize we all make mistakes and she made mistakes with me and I'm sure I'm making mistakes with my baby but even amidst those mistakes you just come out with a completely different perspective I think and are able to hold a lot more space for other people mm, so beautiful and and since we're talking a little bit more about your history around mm -hmm. aware parenting so was it something you always grew up with kind of knowing this this uh, terminology aware parenting or was it more when you got older that you asked your mom or I, I'd love to hear more about that it was definitely more so when I got older um so when when I was younger it was actually you know, we had some struggles with it. I think my mom was really good about listening to me cry when, when I was experiencing more grief or fear or things like that. We had a hard time when I was angry. I think she had a harder time listening to me with that. And so we sort of had some struggles and I, and I for a while was very resistant to wanting to have some of those big feelings with her. But then when I was 16 and dealing with just a lot of sort of teenage angst and you know the pressures of high school and all of these things I kind of ended up having this big breakdown to her and saying that I was really looking for more some sort of support you know that I thought I needed to go to therapy or something and at this time I had not even heard the terms aware parenting or anything else and she actually um, suggested that I get involved with something else that's very, I know you know of it, it's similar to the aware parenting philosophy, which is reevaluation counseling. Um, and for folks who don't know, it's a lot of the same kind of theory and philosophy about being open with your emotions and using those as healing tools, but it's, it's more geared towards not just using those with, with babies and children, but also using it for yourself. Um, and having listening partnerships and things. So anyway, I ended up getting involved with um, with RC or co-counseling, it's often called, um, when I was about 16. And then that made a huge difference in my life in terms of getting a lot of support. And through that, I then also learned about aware parenting itself. So I hope that's not too tangential there. But. No, to totally not tangential. I can't even say that word, tangential at all. <laughs> I'm wonderful, really, that that f flowed from your your early experiences. And um, yeah, so are you happy to share? I'm I'm really enjoying really hearing about your journey, really, and, mm -hmm. and the story of it. So, uh, when you were thinking of becoming a mama, what did what happened then in terms of aware parenting? And and um, I had a friend way back in the day when I was in my twenties used to call it Coco. She was really into it. Mm -hmm. Coco. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what what happened for you when you were thinking? about becoming a mama and well so by the time you know by the time I started thinking about having a baby by that point I'd been you know it practicing co-counseling for about 15 years or so so I was really you know I had really been doing a lot of my own self-healing work um, and was just so clear that I 100% wanted to use all of these practices with my own baby um, and the challenging thing was getting my partner on board with that, you know, and that's still something that I'm figuring out.
but um but at least it was like for me to just use it myself that was like that was like a no-brainer like and yeah. even in the early stages of our relationship when it was like are we gonna is this going to be my lifelong partner? I said, whether or not you're going to be okay with our baby crying and having her emotions, like that's a deal breaker for me. You have to at least be okay with me doing that and holding that space for her and everything. Um, And he said, okay. (laughs) He wasn't so sure about him doing it, but he said, okay, you can do what you want. (laughs) Which which already I hear such a difference because most of the people I know and work with, they're, they generally find out about aware parenting often after the baby is born. Right. And, yeah. and so then, you know, it's often that thing with, with a partner who isn't necessarily willing to, or mm-hmm. doesn't resonate the, the challenges of that. So knowing already beforehand yeah. that this was, you know, you weren't, you're not willing to, to, <laughs> to not do this. Right. With, and with even then baby. there were still def- definitely have been challenges and still are challenges, but at least he kind of, I can say, well, you knew what you were getting yourself into. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so just, I actually didn't read Aletha's Aware Baby book until, um, until shortly after I had had our baby. Cause I think I just took it for granted that I knew all of this mm-hmm. stuff, but, and in a lot of ways I did, but I still felt when I did read it, I was like, I should have read this before. Like just some of the concrete tips were so helpful, but, um, you know, but it was just, I'm so thankful having known about it from the very beginning and being able to give, give my baby, my daughter space to have some big cries and really early on, you know, when it was really clear to me that she was working on birth and, or, you know, or early separation or things like that. Um, although of course, and also it really influenced the kind of birth that I had. I was able to have a natural birth with midwives and I don't know if that would have been on my radar otherwise. So, um, so that was all huge. And then also to have my mom was amazing. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're, we actually live right next door to each other. We're still living on, on our property. So she's a huge part of my daughter's life. And we were able to give her some big chances to cry together. And just, you know, as, an, as a new mom, it's like, you're so even when you know all of the theory about crying inside and out, it can still be hard in the, you know, to, to be able to be, stay relaxed and trust that your baby is fine when you're holding her and she's crying. But to have my mom, my own mom right there next to me and reassuring that this was a natural and was okay. It was like so powerful, you know? So wow. I just feel so lucky. Yeah, you can see I'm touched to tears hearing yeah. that, imagining what that's like. And, and I think again, yeah. because I, and I've talked to so many mamas over the years and knowing my own experience and I, I talk a lot about the bigger cultural picture which you might have heard me talk about and, mm-hmm. and I think so often um, parents can come in and, and often mothers who'll say you know but you know I should be finding this easy or you know why you know all the all the kind of um, harshness but actually to to acknowledge the hugeness of um, doing this often without ever having seen it, without ever having experienced it, without anyone else doing it around, you know, mm-hmm. to the, the hugeness of that. And I think often um, we don't see that bigger cultural picture. So to, yeah. to even put in, thing, in in place that you have your your mom there with you who's done this and who did this with you and to have her there supporting you and the, 
the profound difference that makes. And oh, I yeah. really appreciate you sharing. It's huge. And the fact that even then it's still hard to trust yes. sometimes yes. in the process, you know, yes. and so I can only imagine for yeah. other people who are just kind of diving in head first. It's like, that's so brave, you know? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Already I'm so touched. <laughs> Most amazing. Can, can we rewind a little bit back yeah. again? Because I'm also would love to hear, I'd love to come back more forward again to your more recent experience, but mm -hmm. I would love to just growing up as a, as a child. Did, uh, did you go to school? Were you, did you go mm -hmm. to? Uh, I did. I was really lucky to go at least for elementary school. I went to a very, we call it an alternative school. The name was literally open alternative school. Um, so even though I was in public school, I was so, it was so different that, you know, we didn't have grades, we didn't have homework. It was very play-based and outdoor-based. And so I loved school up until I went to junior high. And then everything, you know, then I went to your more average school and um, things were a lot tougher, but mm. to have that foundation at least was amazing. Yay. So yummy. Yeah. So, in, and in terms of, um, you know, having other friends and seeing mm -hmm. possibly and particularly when did you did you notice becoming aware of perhaps how other children were being maybe responded to in different ways, particularly around feelings or maybe around punishments and rewards or I don't know, mm. you, that's a really good question. I don't know if it was ever really something that I paid a huge amount of attention to. I see it so much more now, obviously. Uh, but I know that I think I could tell a difference sort of in terms of just myself and my friends that I just had this sense of both a sense of self and kind of a sense of confidence that a lot of my friends had and also a sense of connection with my parents and particularly with my mom, just a trust that I don't think was there with, you know, at that same deep level that other kids had. But I don't think, you know, I think aware parenting wasn't a big enough part of our lives in a very explicitly talked about way that I ever connected the two. Yes. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It makes so much sense. Yeah. But yeah. you could really notice in terms of your connection with your parents, particularly your mom and, mm -hmm. and really a relationship with yourself, I'm hearing yeah. as well. And also, you know, the biggest thing now that you mentioned that I think is different is just the amount that my mom played with us. You oh. know, that's the thing that I would like go to other friends' house and be like, your parents don't play with you, <laughs> at least not in the same, not in the same way. You know, they weren't doing attachment play or child led play. And it was like, oh, well, this isn't very much fun. I always wanted friends to come over to my house. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what else would I love to ask? And in terms of um, control patterns or repression mechanisms as well, mm -hmm. did you notice that a difference for yourself, you know, particularly perhaps as a, as a teen and a, as a young adult, that perhaps you had fewer of those or perhaps you, and again, noticing difference compared to your friends? Well, I think the thing with control patterns is I think they can set in so early. So even by the time that my mom found out about aware parenting, I already had a major thumb sucking pattern, you know, which then I think kind of manifested itself in different ways throughout my life, despite my mom's best mm -hmm. efforts of helping me work through some of that stuff. So it's, I don't think, you know, it's not like I escaped control patterns or things like that altogether by any means. But I think that um, that I've been much more aware when there, when I have dealt with 
kind of control patterns or other issues that have come up of sort of be having a perspective of like, wait, this isn't right. This isn't something I have to just kind of settle for and really then facing it head on, you know? Mm -hmm. And I've seen that with my brother too. Like he has, he actually dealt with a lot of substance issues, but was able to come to my mom and finally open up with to her and really break down to her and help, you know, and ended up getting treatment and now is completely in recovery. And just, so I think that's been the bigger piece is like when stuff has come up, just really having confidence that there's someone there to help you and that you can work through those hard things. Oh, I love that. And I imagine possibly some people sigh, breathing sigh of relief. Um, Because again, I tend to find that that often it's so easy for parents to kind of have this, some kind of idealized expectation that they'll be able to listen to 100% of their child's feelings. And Mm. and I know for me, when I first started aware parenting my daughter 18 years ago, and I was like, you know, she's going to have no control patterns. and I'm going to listen to 100% of her feelings. And I soon realized that it was so much more about, you know, I was aiming to listen to, you know, a, a high proportion yeah and to know that she would still have repression mechanisms and there would be that percentage that I wouldn't be able to hear I wouldn't Mm -hmm. even understand or notice and and that that would make a difference and I think it's so important for parents you know particularly hearing your story that you know this isn't about some kind of perfection this is knowing that listening to to some proportion of a child's feelings makes a big difference to them and it's going to make their journey with feelings so much easier and so much easier and just to have that relationship you know it's like I think there's so many there's just so much oppression out there in society that's pretty inescapable you know that I think no matter how great your parents are you do end up just absorbing some of that but to have that relationship with your parent that you can just go to them about anything and you know that you can show them all your feelings and they'll be there and they'll be fine. It's like, I think in the long run, that's the important thing is like really having each other in that way. Yes. It's all about the connection and the relationship and all the beautiful things like listening to crying and tantrums and attachment play and finding ways to meet everyone's needs. They're all beautiful kind of tools and strategies but it's the connection the relationship mm. I'm, I'm hearing mm-hmm. you say is like that's the, yeah. the key isn't it yeah definitely yeah is there anything else you want to share like around your childhood or teen years or or early adult years around any of this that that feels relevant or you'd like to share particularly around feelings or control mm. patterns or anything that's a else? good question um i think the one thing that i'd I guess I could share about especially that made a big difference for me in my teenage years was like that was when my relationship with with my mom got really hard. And I think no matter how close you are with your parents, that can just be a really tough time. And it made a huge difference to me having other adults in my life who were kind of, you know, I mean, for me, these were other folks who were in co-counseling. But to have if, you know, I think that having those other adult relationships with people who are similarly aware of having feelings and aware of play and connection to be able to have some sort of community where there's multiple people thinking about you was so, so huge for me. Um, So I think that's something that maybe parents out there could be thinking about it. And that's one of the main reasons I want to become an instructor is, you know, to build a little community around ourselves or maybe a big community, but so, so that, in the long run, my daughter doesn't just have me or just me and my mom, but has, 
other families that, you know, that she can rely on and she can get perspective from. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that made a big, big difference. I love that. I love that. So yeah. we're really talking about that bigger community and cultural picture again. I mean, how important that is that it's, it's really hard just as one, one parent or one set of parents to be providing everything. It's like it's mm-hmm. bu- building the community, isn't it? So Yeah. Yum. I love that. Do <laughs> you know I, I, what popped up as well in terms of, um, you know, your f- people you perhaps re- uh, kind of felt drawn to as friends or as partners? Did you particularly have that thing of like, it was kind of no- so known to you that that feelings got to be heard, that those were the people that you would, you know, radiate towards in the people you connected with, that people could, who could hear feeling, hear your feelings and you could listen to theirs. Was that something that? Yeah, I guess now that you mention it again, I haven't put a lot of thought into it. Although even just yesterday, my husband and I were joking around about our past relationships and, and I was, somehow it came up that I always went for nice guys, you know, like, and I think, and I think that relates to what you're talking about. It's like when you have a high standard of people being there for you and treating you with respect and, you know, just being nice to be around. It's, yeah. it's like you'll, you'll gravitate towards those people. And so I definitely, in terms of my romantic relationships, you know, all of my, all of my boyfriends growing up were always very, very sweet and pretty open. And I'm sure my parents were just so thankful <laughs> that they didn't have to worry very much about that. And, um, and my friend, my friendships too. I mean, I've had you know, I've had some friends who have been more open with feelings than others, and those tend to be my very close friendships. Mm-hmm. But I also have had lots of friends who ne- weren't as open about their feelings as I had wished they would be. And we had fun doing other things together, like going surfing and <laughs> going hiking. And so I kind of, I learned, I think, to look for different um, people who filled my different needs in, in different ways, you know. Nice. Um, yeah, I love that. And again, I, I'm imagining there's some size of relief out there because I, I think that's such a, a key part as as parents that we're so we're so wanting for our children when they grow up to be having supportive relationships and knowing that that what what our children experience when when they're little is it, it kind of creates a template for what yeah as you say what what they're used to and what their their standards are and I think you know if we look at relationships we often get drawn to people who were similar to our family of origin, even if we're mm-hmm. wanting something different. So to know mm-hmm. that, that actually um, these ways of parenting also support our children when they grow up to actually have these kinds of relationships as adults is so profound, isn't it? Definitely. Yummy. Yeah. I just want to say my, my dog's just jumped up here next to me. So if you hear some <laughs> snoring or snorting, <laughs> that's, that's not me. Right, you'll know why. <laughs> Um, do you know another thing? I'm hope you I hope you're comfortable with these questions. I'm please say if there's ever one that you go, oh, I don't want to answer that. Um, I I'm also wondering if you were in a um, you had a boyfriend or maybe a friend who perhaps you had some feelings and you were sharing them with them and perhaps they didn't feel so comfortable. Was that something that you? Because I know if we if we grew up in a family where feelings weren't heard, often if we're in a in a relationship or a friendship where again our feelings aren't being heard that can be really big and hard because we're not mm. only we're experiencing the not only the here and now but our, our little children show up to to mm-hmm. have all those feelings show up so again I'm wondering if there's anything you want to share about 
maybe how that well, makes you. Yeah, I think for me, because I had established so many, you know, really intentional relationships that were all about sharing my feelings kind of through co-counseling, um, I, I didn't end up sort of unloading unintentionally that much on other people in my life. Definitely I did with my sometimes, you know, that with my friends, it didn't, it didn't come out too much. Although for whatever reason in romantic relationships, yes, then it's like everything, <laughs> everything comes right to the surface. Yes. Um, and I'm not sure if this is exactly answering your question, but I think that the, the area, as I mentioned before, that I struggled with with my mom when I was little was always feelings of anger. You know, I think those were the words, that's where she had some trouble listening to me. And that's also the area that gets hard for me in my partnerships, mm -hmm. you know, is just, is that I'll, I'll get just angry or frustrated with them or whatever. And um, that's where we kind of hook. Whereas if I just need to have a cry or something, that's fine. You know, I can cry on my husband's shoulder and he can listen and it's very sweet. Um, but even amidst all of this, I think you, yeah, you still, no matter how perfectly you've been raised, you still carry your, your baggage that comes out. Yeah. So yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it totally does. Totally does. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. And should we, should we move into your experience as a, as a mother? I would love to hear yeah. Yeah, anything you want to share, particularly about those early days. And as you say, listening and maybe the, the things that you found easy, things that you found hard. Oh. Yeah. I think, the thing that I, the thing that I found easy is that when it's really clear to me that my daughter just, just needs to cry, it's almost like this huge relief that I just know exactly what to do and I can let her cry. And it's like, oh, okay, she's doing what she needs to do. Yes. I, I think the really hard part that I was unexpectedly hard, especially in the early days, but still a little bit now is when I'm not quite sure if she needed if she had a, an actual physical need, you know, like it, breastfeeding, especially in the early days was like, well, is she hungry right now? Or is she just asking to nurse because she needs to have a cry about something? And that was, that was really hard in the early weeks and months. Um, yes. But now that she's, you know, now that she's almost two, it's a lot easier to be able to tell, Oh no, she just needs to cry. Yes. Um, but I think what gets a little challenging now is, um, you know, she's not, I think because she's had a fair amount of chances to, to cry with me in my arms and everything, it's not like she has all these feelings brimming at the surface all the time where she's constantly looking for an excuse. And yet sometimes I can just sort of tell that things are a little off, a little bit tight with her, a little on edge and trying to figure out how do I encourage her to, to have that cry or whatever it is she needs, whatever emotion she needs to release. And, and I didn't expect that there would be sort of a resistance to having her emotions so early. I thought that that wouldn't set in until later. Yes. Even now she'll find what little ways to distract herself and be a little resistant to crying with me sometimes, yes. even if I'm trying to set a limit or whatever it is. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so that's mm, what I'm figuring out Interesting. Right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, Another question I have is, uh, again, I know often when people are first 
uh, starting the, and I, I also want to say, of course, aware painting is about so much more than, than crying and tantrums, mm-hmm. but often it's the, the thing we focus on most because it's often the most different to many other That's paradigms true, yeah. apart from parenting by connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for many parents in terms of actually being present in their body when their baby is crying in their arms or when their toddler's having a big tantrum or their older child, uh, uh, and that can be such a big part again because of not having that actual experience themselves of 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 receiving that from their parents growing up and actually knowing in in that body sense of you know I'm feeling relaxed and calm and 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 all of those things so again I'd love to hear if you want to share anything about how how that was for you how you felt in your body um when she was crying particularly perhaps as a younger as a younger child yeah know? I think kind of you know kind of like I said before as long as I could really tell that okay she definitely just needs to cry right now it was just such a like a peaceful thing for me to be able to hold her while she cries you know like just this sense of like okay she's doing exactly what she needs to do I know this is healing I know she's going to feel better afterwards and and I know how to do this I know how to hold her and be there for her and give her love and um and so it just yeah it it feels like almost a sense of relief is is the best way i can describe it i think because leading up to the cry is often the hard part for me at least you know it's kind of that noticing that something's off so when she's finally releasing it it's like okay phew (laughs) now we know what to do here um yeah i'd love to say for me that was it it took a bit of time to get to that and i certainly did get to that point oh yes and the relief and the the relaxation actually in my nervous system of like, yeah, I know she's going to feel so much more comfortable. And yeah. yeah. I also love to, to share something I'm remembering as you speak is that my daughter who, you know, I was learning with her and, and certainly took a while to distinguish between, for example, hunger from needs to cry and certainly didn't, didn't get that accurately many times, um, but did with my son. And I remember when she was 10 and, um, her dad had had two twins and they were babies um, with his um, now partner. And I remember her being around the twins and just really seeing the difference in her when she was holding them and they were, and they were needing to have a cry and how different that was from kind of how I was with her, which was always had that slight quality of effortfulness. It was like, there was a bit of doing in there, even though I was like, yeah, I'm relaxed. It's like, I was, I was kind of doing the listening to crying, like, you know, I'm here and I'm listening, but it was, it had a bit of a quality. And I really saw in her body just because she'd, you know, that was her felt experience in her body of, of like, mm. this is just another thing that you do. Like, you know, you eat when you're hungry and you go to the toilet when you need to, and, yeah. and you cry when you need to. And that, that embodied experience of having it as a baby and as a child, which I, I really noticed the difference was it, it was really interesting to see. Yeah, that, that reminded me of, of my daughter, you know, she, she's almost two and she's just started discovering kind of pretend play. Yeah. And one of her favorite things to pretend is that either that she's a little a baby crying or that one of her little stuffed animals is crying and that she's holding them and letting them cry. And she loves it. And she has this <laughs> smile on her face while she's doing it. And it's it's so fun to watch, but just how comfortable that is for her, you know? 
Yes. And that it's a lighthearted thing, that it's yes. not this like, oh, no, don't. She's never yes. telling her babies, don't cry, don't cry. She's like, oh. She gives them love. And it's so oh, sweet. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I'm having another memory now because I was I was so kind of obsessed with my friend, still am, as you might have noticed, but <laughs> particularly when she was younger and I because I was so in the learning of it and when she was kind of two or three. And because we uh, were so fortunate to have Aletha sort of come over when she was running workshops here and stay with us. And so we were constantly playing and she would bring them up, constantly playing games around um, and, you know, seeing other babies and children like um, pretending to put to like uh, another parent having a dummy in the mouth or a pacifier. And she's like, mm. uh, you pretend you'd be like, I'll pretend I'm Aletha Salter and I'll tell them about crying or I'll tell them about co-sleeping. <laughs> or you know, She's like three be like playing all these different games around crying so so funny so funny I so remember those days so yeah such a different experience how to really have that that knowing in your body of of um of experiencing that when you were a baby and a and a child wow Mm -hmm. I'm so excited for (laughs) if your daughter goes on to have children like you know the right it becomes more and more of a generational thing yeah Oh, wonderful. Well, and also just, I think they're going, you know, there's going to be more and more parents who have been raised in aware parenting. I mean, because it really was only started, I think, in the 80s. But, yeah. you know, to just to to see how that how that's going to look um, as it starts sort of creeping out more and more into the world and just into normal parenting style. Yes. Um, will be really exciting yeah yay um can we go back to attach and play again because again i I really heard you say as a child you're seeing other kids like their parents perhaps not playing with them in this in the same ways that your mum and dad did um and again i i know speaking to to lots of parents hearing often parents saying you know i find it hard to play or you know big feelings come up when when we play and Again, I would love to hear if you want to share any of your felt experience of of attachment play with your daughter. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think of what aspect would be most helpful to mm. talk about. I think of, of all the parts of aware parenting, that's probably the part that just is like the most natural or second mm. nature. You know, there's still parts of the crying that can be hard to tell. Oh, do I, does she need to cry or not do? But with play, it's just like, if you were raised being played with a lot, it's like the easiest thing in the world to, to play. I mean, sometimes I still get a little bit bored, but it's not like big feelings come up or something. Um, but it's just so fun. I think it's fun now that she's getting to the age where I can see her working through um, some of her fears or just tough experiences through play and to be so aware of like when she's doing that, you know, and being able to think about, ooh, how can I kind of help her um, or to not even help her, you know, but how can I really follow her mind here and fully engage with her um, in terms of whatever it is she's, she's working on. It's just so much fun. It's like the thing with, with crying. And I'm trying to think there is one other big one that she's been doing lately that's so clearly around a fear. Well, even just like shortly after she was learned to walk, for example, one of the earliest things she liked to play was just about falling down and saying oopsies <laughs> and just laughing and laughing and laughing. We played nothing but oopsies for <laughs> weeks and weeks. <laughs> but you don't realize how huge the developmental thing of learning to walk and feeling unsteady on your feet and all of that is, you know, and 
Um, and I've seen too that she's just, she's very resilient when she get when she gets hurt, you know, when she takes a tumble or something like that. She'll have a, often she'll have a short cry, but it's like, it doesn't really face her too much. And I think it's so much because we've played so much around accidents and getting hurt and things like that. Um, so it's just fun. Oh, so yummy. I can imagine a few people, I know the part of me that goes, oh my gosh, imagine that being like just an easy, natural play. Because, you know, for me, with a therapeutic background, crying, listening to crying was like, yeah, you know, I'm like, I'm familiar with this, but, but learning a, a touch and play was such a big mm. new thing for me. And I know mm -hmm. for lots of parents, I like, I'm like, wow, what, what must that be like? That that's just second nature. So yeah. Amazing. So amazing. <laughs> yeah. So much of it is just about, I think, just being relaxed enough to just follow them. You know, like I see so many other parents kind of wanting to jump in and lead the play and, oh, you should do this and you should do that. And it's like, one of my favorite things to do is I'll just sort of out loud just dictate a little bit like of what my almost like I'm narrating what my yes. daughter is doing when she's yes. playing and that's all it takes for her to just kind of continue to follow her mind for so long and it doesn't even take that much effort but just mm -hmm. to be showing that I'm so interested in whatever it is she's doing mm -hmm. um, and it, it doesn't have to be this big song and dance on my part you know, although sometimes it is, sometimes it's very physical and lots of laughing and all of these things, but yes. a lot of the time it can be really easy. It's just about following her. Yeah. Yay. Yum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> what else? What else? Anything else that jumps to your mind that you would really love to, to share? What do you, you know, when people come and ask you about aware parenting or, you know, particularly now you're an instructor and you're, you're imagine thinking about what you're going to be wanting to offer mm -hmm. parents, what kinds of things do you love to share with them or what do people ask you? Mm. I've, it's so, this is also fresh to me because I haven't actually started leading any classes yet. And so this is what I'm thinking about right now. And what I, you know, what I always have been trying to think about for the last decade is how do you put this into words that it sort of resonates with other people and I think that you know for a lot of people the idea of like oh, you let your baby cry you know even if they're in your arms is just very scary and so I'm still figuring that out is how do you just make it seem natural and warm and you know um, and not like this out there thing um <laughs> yeah but yeah it's very uh, different isn't it so different to the, the mainstream culture it's so different mm. um and in a way i think it's almost harder for me in some ways because i was raised with it and because it is so second nature that i can't put myself in someone else's shoes mm. of having never heard this theory before and what would have been helpful for me to yes. hear about it if that makes yeah. sense so that's maybe where i struggle the most um mm. but, and and yeah, and imagine because you have that embodied experience, you know, you're going to have people particularly come who, who just even being in your presence as you talk about it, they're going to be like receiving that. Like I am right now listening to you. I keep noticing my body going, oh, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that it's almost like really just being like very open to when an opportunity arises that somebody is talking about a struggle they have they're having with their little one or um or noticing something that's happening with with me when i'm with with alina with my daughter you know and kind of like oh that looks different and just being really ready to like 
jump in and share a piece of the theory that might be helpful for that person and also being just really open to having a longer conversation about it. Um, I think that's been helpful. Um, I mean, I've had so many conversations with people around just, um, just the idea of that crying is okay, especially around like breastfeeding and night weaning, you know, babies crying at night, the whole, obviously the cry it out discussion is huge in new mom circles. And so I'm kind of always the one coming to that discussion and saying, well, there is a third option, you know, <laughs> you don't have to wake up with your baby a million times a night and breastfeed them 15 times. And <laughs> you also don't need to leave them in a room to cry by themselves. You know, you can actually be there with them and explain why. And I think for some people they're going to go, Hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I think then just trying to, I think until people really make the decision to read the book or come to a group or kind of get a more full picture of the aware parenting theory, it can be hard for them to really wrap their heads around it. Yes. Yeah, yeah I so hear you. And I have a resonance, even though not being brought up with this approach, but but everyone I know, does aware parenting, and I know lots of people around the world and everyone I speak to because of this work, I, everyone does aware parenting. So sometimes I actually forget that that isn't everyone. <laughs> so sometimes mm. it's kind of unusual to go, oh my gosh, it really is in, out there in the world. It's, it's actually still really unfamiliar to a lot of people. Even the oh, idea yeah. of not punishing and rewarding and listening right. to needs and, and all of that kind of thing. So Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, do you know I, I really remember when I was new to our parenting is that like I really found it pain so this is kind of the opposite I find it very painful because because back then I did see everyone <laughs> doing very different things and I would have really big reactions if I saw people maybe even just distracting their baby or moving into punishment or mm-hmm. doing controlled crying and I, I would have a lot of big feelings in myself mm-hmm. around that I wonder how it is for you when you see different um, paradigms out there in the yeah. world do you do you how is that for you in your body and feelings it's really hard because um, I just empathize so much with the little ones you know mm. just like oh how you know like I when I first gave birth to Alina I was going to a mom's group and it was so nice at first to connect with other moms but then so many of the conversations were always going out going back to the cry it out method and how that was going for everyone and all of this stuff. And it was just so painful for me to be thinking about all these babies, you know, left alone in these dark rooms at night by themselves and crying that I just had, I like, I had to stop going to the meetings because it was just, you know, not, not the energy that I needed as a new mom to be kind of imagining it all the time. And I knew that too, that these moms were so well-meaning and loved their babies more than every, anything and just didn't have this information um, that could help them so much, you know, and um, as much as I wanted to sort of, you know, there's a pull to try to share everything and I always would, but it wasn't really the time or the place. So yeah, it's just really, it's really challenging. Um, And so I've really, fortunately, there's a, a large attachment community sort of in in my area also and I was able to get hooked up with that and that's been way more um, receptive I mean 
they're sort of on the other side of the spectrum, but it's been so much nicer to be part of that community. And they've been much more open to hearing about aware parenting, which has been great. Mm. But yeah, but back to your original question, it's just, it's very, very hard to be in my body and see other, any kind of tough parenting techniques going on. Mm. Yeah. So here um, how about for parents? Because often I remember for me when when my my daughter was younger, for example, I was like, I have never, you know, I don't, I haven't seen anyone who's even a teenager who's grown up with this approach, let alone a parent <laughs> and you know, mm-hmm. next generation. And I know for parents, often they can be like, like, well, you know, how do I how do I know this is going to be helpful? Like, not using punishments and rewards, or listening to crying and tantrums and not using shaming and all of those things how you know how can I have that reassurance and I I know often the beauty of aware parenting is we get to see very clearly in our baby or child just just through doing these things of the all the things that you talked about is that you know that with your mum that your mum saw with you after that first time but I'm wondering if there's any other just kind of reassurance that you would like to offer anyone who's perhaps going well I'm you know I'm new to this and I'm not really sure um any reassuring words that you could offer (laughs) yeah I think that like first of all like no matter how many mistakes you make that is so going to be outweighed you know by just the fact that your little one is getting some pieces of this you know even if you're not doing it perfectly um just the fact that they're getting to have some cries with you or doing some playtime with you, that that's huge, you know? Um, and that, and that kind of going back to what I said before, that having, being raised with aware parenting doesn't mean you're not going to have big, big struggles, but it's going to give your kid such a different perspective on their resiliency and their ability to stay connected through the struggles that they have and to be able to sort of, you know, if when they make mistakes to be able to realize in the big picture, even if it's not right away to sort of realize, Hey, this isn't actually the path I want to be taking, or this isn't the way that I want to be dealing with this situation and actually come to a, sort of a new a new understanding or continue to kind of grow in that way. I think that's been the biggest thing for me. So it's not that life looks perfect or doesn't look messy and that your relationships with your kids don't look messy, but it's it's about the resiliency to work through that and still really have each other. I think mm. that's been the big thing for me. Yay. Yeah. And I can imagine a few like sighs of relief of like <sighs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I tend I tend to think we come into the, and particularly um, you know if we've if we've had a different paradigm growing up and as you say even in the in the wider culture which is so much about oppression and judgment and punishments and rewards even if we you know we're not doing aiming to not do that in our parenting is we can often be still doing that in ourselves so still kind of doing that I should be doing it this way and if I'm not I'm not X Y and Z or guilt and all of those things so knowing mm-hmm. that it, it's that can be really helpful kind of to 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 be doing that aware parenting for ourselves so yeah we're going, oh, we don't need to be perfect <laughs> and yeah. we're going to be have lots of opportunities to repair and mm-hmm. and it's exactly. about that not not some idealized perfection thing yeah. that doesn't exist and i think the other piece that i would just put out there is like and i especially as a parent this has really kicked in for me is just how important it is to find 
some space for yourself to do your own healing work, you know, that as a parent, especially if it becomes so hard to find that space and that time, but it's so important because if you're walking around holding all this anger or grief or fear or whatever it is, it's so hard to, to then hold space for your little one. Um, and to be fully present with them in the way that they need you to be. Um, so whatever that looks like, you know, whether it's therapy or whether it's just a good friend you can cry to or whatever it is. Um, I think if, if you're not kind of taking care of the little one within yourself, it, it's going to be hard on your, on your own children. Yeah. So important, isn't it? Such a yeah. big, big part of the work. Yeah. That's huge. Do you know, I had another question. <laughs> I think yeah. we're probably running out of them, but, um, and particularly if we're looking longer term here and mm -hmm. we're thinking about perhaps when, when we become grandparents, mm -hmm. is there anything again you want to share about, you know, maybe more recently with your, your mom as a, as a grandmother and you and your daughter and anything you want to share about how that is like for you, maybe your mom looking after your daughter, any of those kinds of things. Cause again, if we're thinking about what, you know, what might it be like to be a, a grandparent and, mm. and to be, you know, like showing us kind of a vision in a way of, of what it, what it can be like. Yeah. Oh, there's so many sides to that. Um, I mean, I think the first thing that comes to mind is just how incredibly thankful I am. Like I mentioned to have my mom is someone who I can just trust my daughter with a hundred percent, you know, and also who can be a key person in terms of like, when I see there's something she needs to work through that I can't be the one to help her, you know, like, for example, feelings of not wanting to be separated from me, you know, like I can't really be the one to hold her while she has a cry about wanting me to hold her. <laughs> uh, but my mom was able to do that. Um, which made such a big difference and was a, it's like I breathed this huge sigh of relief that someone with such loving, relaxed attention for my daughter could just be there for her when I had to go to work for the first time or whatever it was, you know? Yes. So I think that's a huge, huge part. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think that as, as grandparents, and I've seen this a little with my mom, although she's done a really great job with it, but I think that, there's the tendency to want your kids to be raising their kids exactly how you would want to do it. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. Sorry. That was actually my mom knocking on the door. Oh, there you go. She could feel, cause I was always going to say hi to your mom and she, yeah. there you go. She, she's feeling, <laughs> she's feeling the call. I'm taking naps. So I have to be But anyway, what was I saying? So, um, <laughs> Will you help me think of where my train of thought was? Um, the, the, we oh, want the, them to do the... Yeah, you want the them same. to do the right thing because, you know, it's your grandchild and you love them so much. But I think the bigger piece is like just really trusting that the parent is doing a good job, you know, and and really being choosy about if you're going to given all you know a different perspective or some insight to just kind of step back and say you know is this really necessary or is this not a big deal in the moment because i think as parents it's also so important to be just really supported you know um i think that's the biggest thing you can do for a grandparent is really support the parent as opposed to thinking that the kid needs to be parented just right 
Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> Such another big yes. Yeah. So and my mom did a really great job with that, which I'm oh. thankful for. Yeah. Yay. Wow. So yummy. Do you find yourself having conversations with her like, oh, you know, what did you do here? Or how was this for you? Or um, I don't know, any of those kinds of things. Or do you have memories of like when you were younger? I don't know. Do you have any of those kinds of conversations together? And wait, so say that one more in terms of what? Like Oh, just like, you know, maybe you know, as your daughter's reaching two, like, do you ever say, oh, no, what was I doing at two? Or how was this for you to listen to me? Or, you know, those oh, kinds yeah. of things. Oh, yeah, I think more she just brings it up, you know. She's like, yeah. oh, when, when you were two, you were just <laughs> like that. And <laughs> so we talk about it all the time. But I think she always talks about how my daughter and I have very similar personalities and quirks. And so it's fun for her to see, to see that come out, our strong-willed personalities and silliness and things like that yeah so yummy yeah you know one thing I often think of is really wanting to be you know when my children get older and become adults is I really want if they you know knowing that there are plenty of things that I did that weren't enjoyable for them that that we didn't get to repair is that at any point in their adulthood I would want them to come and say you know actually I remember when you did x y and z and that was really painful Mm. and that I'm really able to go yep I'm I'm here I'm here to listen just you know continuing of aware parenting throughout their whole adult years as well and um I wonder if you feel comfortable to share whether you've whether anything like that's happened for you and your mom so we've done a lot of healing work around some of the I think mistakes that she did make when she was especially in the early years of trying to figure out how to use aware parenting with me and it's been so helpful for our relationship um and I think I think for her some of the tough things is that when she it was kind of stuff around control patterns. Like when she first realized like, oh, crying is really, really good. But then noticed that I had a lot of control patterns around crying and got pretty desperate in terms of how do I interrupt these control patterns, you know? And I think unless you've done a lot of healing work yourself, it can be really hard to interrupt a control pattern and have a little one get really, really angry and show big, big, big feelings and to be able to stay in a really relaxed place yourself, you know? And so I think there were plenty of times where she really wasn't able to stay relaxed and it got really hard between us. Um, And so to go back there and be able to get really angry at her now, you know, like you really messed up and that wasn't right. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, this was me as a more of a teenager and for her to apologize and, or just not even apologize, but just listen was the bigger thing to just be able for her to hear all that was huge. But I think she was even only to hear it then because she'd done a lot of her own healing work between the time I was really little and the time I was a teenager and young adult. Um, so I think it goes back to that. It's, it's, it's all a journey, you know, um, and, and the importance of continuing your own personal work so that you can hold more and more space for your kids and yes. for yourself. Yes. Yeah. Again, I imagine there are a few sighs of relief as they hear that story. And I, I know for myself in my early journey with aware parenting, I was like, you know, for me, if my daughter ever had any, you know, control pattern, I would be like, no, they're terrible things. And, you know, and I am a terrible parent, all of this stuff. And I was, you know, I had a very, 
you know, it was, it was not a kind of here am I to support you in, in releasing these. It's like, you know, I, I need to help you stop this and very, very different energy from where I, you know, the, that, that journey of actually getting really comfortable with them and, and, you know, very compassionate with myself and what I had capacity for. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it really, it it has to be a journey, doesn't it? Particularly for people who are starting off first generation, first time, of course, it's going to be a learning process. Of course, we're not going (laughs) to be able to do stuff that we then get to do later on. We're not going to be able to see everything. And so again, I I really appreciate you sharing the journey because I think for us to know as the first generation parents that we're going to get plenty of opportunities to repair and that might be in teenage years or even later and Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely (laughs) thank you I'm going (sighs) lots of sighs of relief yeah (laughs) uh anything else that you feel called to share that you really love to share with parents or that you would uh-huh. go away from our conversation going oh I wish I said this or, I know I'm asking myself that but no I just think that no matter I think I, I kind of already said this but you know no matter what that it's just so so good that you're doing this in whatever form it is and whether you know whether it's really easy to do the play piece and really hard to do the crying piece or vice versa you know I see my husband he's so good at playing with my daughter and has such a hard time listening to her cry and he's still such an amazing parent for her you know and so whatever piece it is that you're able to give them is just so amazing and so much better than what you probably got yourself and so when you look at the big picture it's like all of us are going to keep being better my mom tells me all the time that you know like oh my gosh I wish that you know that I had the attention that you have for Alina and I can only imagine what she'll be like as a parent and so when you think about the multi-generation-ness of it it's so hopeful yes oh I have so many tingles yes such a big yes yes (laughs) oh wow um so in terms of people wanting to, to maybe come and connect with you or mm-hmm. um, find out more about your work, I know you haven't yet got a website set up or a, a Facebook business page, but you, you said earlier you're happy for people to come and friend you on Facebook. Do you, yeah, or? absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's Katie Garibay on Facebook. Garibay spelled G-A-R-I-B as in boy, A-Y. Um, can I get my email address too? If anyone oh yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so my email is Katie, which is K-A-T-I-E, Garibay, uh, G-A-R-I-B-A-Y, two, at gmail.com. So feel free. I'd love to connect with anyone wanting to hear more or just have a conversation. Great. Great. Yay. <laughs> oh, I have so enjoyed this. Thank you so, oh, so much. So wow. Wow. You. So yummy. I look forward to hearing the rest of the conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. I want to just keep talking to you all day. Anyway, well, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and thank you to to the listeners and um, yeah, so much love to you. You too. (laughs) Bye-bye everyone. Bye. (laughs)